0: Hello, I'm Steve Dania and this is the My Pride Playlist Pridecast from Virgin Radio Pride. In each episode, we speak to a member of the LGBTQ plus community and go through tracks that have soundtracked their lives. Now, due to rights reasons, the music is shorter than the original broadcast, but it's still great. Enjoy. The Virgin Radio Pridecast, proudly supported by Disney Plus, celebrating all LGBTQIA plus identities. Steve Denny with you on my Pride playlist on Virgin Radio Pride. Tonight I'm joined by a really special guest and friend of mine, Carl Austin Behan, OBE, former politician, currently serves as LGBT advisor to the Mayor of Manchester. He served in the Royal Air Force before being kicked out because of his sexuality and my old clubbing buddy in the beginning part of the millennium. Carl, Great to see you again. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited.
1: It's Pride Month, but we can make Pride last for many, many months. I, th- I uh, think it should be all year. It is, it is all year. It is all year. You know, f- permanent visibility is permanent acceptance. Love that. And we've <laughs> known each other for a good, I was just trying to work out,
0: <laughs> should we go there? Ooh, is it 20 ooh, years? It's at least 20 years. That is quite scary, yeah. isn't it? I mean, some of us have aged better than others.
1: I, I think, no, 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 I, th- I think it's a case of, you know, I've invested in myself <laughs> in, in, in that way, I think. Um, and it's weird, you know, I've never smoked, and I think that's been a, a big sort of help. Uh, yeah. I've had, obviously, I had a few drinks as, as years have gone on.
0: <laughs> I think we shared a few. Over there. Yeah, I think
1: we have. Um, many a time in in, in, a, in Essential back in the day. Yes. Yeah,
0: we must talk about that, Club. Uh, you've picked some wonderful songs tonight on my playlist. Let's dive straight into the first one, then. What are we going with?
1: We're going to go with, first of all, with uh, A Little Respect by Erasure, and I think I think, for me, has um, always been a part of my life, sort of, from, from growing up. Um, but I think one of the things, that it's it, there was a, a line in it where it says, uh, I'll be forever blue, uh, what religion or reason could de- uh, drive a man to uh, forsake his lover? And I think that was the first time in, in a song, especially at an early age, where I actually re- related to the fact that in a song that I could associate and everyone was on the dance floor, um, was acceptance.
0: Erasure, a little respect, of course it is. On my Pride playlist on Virgin Radio Pride, I'm Steve Denier, joined by Carl Austin Behan. Now, that song came out at the back end of the 80s. Um, Andy Bell, thinking about it, was one of the very, very few role models we had back then. The only
1: role models I think we had back then was your, uh, no disrespect, but it was like your Julian Clary's, your um, uh, Larry Grayson's. You know, it was always someone camp, flamboyant, a little bit like Owen Wynne Evans of today, Mm. um, and that's all you saw um and and i think it was very much a case of you know there was there was no the only the only other thing you had um i think i don't even know if it was at this time but you know that um a uh, column from from EastEnders, and it was it, there was always it was always had to be an underlying sort of connotation. It was never it was never normalised. It was never just people being accepted for who they who they were. Mm-hmm.
0: There was always a, some kind of tragedy or something wrong, wasn't there?
1: Yeah, and it's, it's even like you know, even as years have gone by, and we look at sort of Coronation Street, and it's you know, we've got to have the vicar with with the campus person on the street. You know, why can't we just have two? People who happen to be gay living in a house with all the dramas unfolding around them. Um, why does it have to be so dramatic uh, and centralised? Because obviously that's where the storyline is. But I think that's where we need to. We still need to move on in them sort of mm. uh, situations as well. Mm. So we're going to keep it on the 80s then,
0: as far as your next track. Uh, and I think this next track is interesting, Carl. Out of all the people that we've spoken to on this program, this is probably the
1: the most popular. I'm, I'm guessing from what you've just said, it's it's Small Town Boy. It is from uh, from uh, Bronski Beat and, and Jimmy Somerville. And this was this was 1984, and I think it was bef- ahead of its time, really. You know, w- when you actually watch the video, and and this this first, even when you even if you just if you've seen the video once in your lifetime, and the track comes on the radio, you can take yourself back to when you first saw that video, um, where you've got Jimmy Somerville as a young Gay lad, on a train, uh, with a little black, a uh, little black bag, with all his belongings in, and the fact that while he's on that train journey, um, his life, that his, his previous life has been flashing before him, obviously the title Small Time Boy, but coming from a, a small town, um, it's a story of homophobia, straight away, it's about, uh, being bullied, it's about being uh, victimized. It was when he went to, you know, he's, he's in that leisure centre and he feels that he's attracted to someone and then it actually turns out he got gay-bashed. Uh, then the policeman brings him home to his mother uh, and father. You know, it was forced. Yeah, he, he ended up wanting to run away. Um, again, the age of consent at this time was 21, mm-hmm. uh, going back to then. Uh, sorry, yeah, it was 21. Again, at the start of the HIV-AIDS epidemic. Um, and I just think, you know... His mother, you know, but there's part of it where he says his mother will never understand, and I think there's so many people who've been in that situation um, where you 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 feel that you're, you know, you've you, you've got so much you want to give, but you can't do that. You can't be your true self.
0: Virgin Radio Pride, is Steve Daniel here chatting to Carl Austin Behan, my very special guest tonight on My Pride Playlist, small town boy, Bronsky Beat. How was your coming out journey? I've never
1: asked you this, Carl. I'd actually tried to come out on numerous occasions. Um, I, remember, I remember having a conversation with my mum when I was about seven to tell her that I felt I was different. And the reason for that was because I was attracted to lads at school. And there'd been a few incidences... Um, Occasions where things went a little bit further than what they should have done at school. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wanted to explain that to her. And my mum was very much like, no, it's just a phase you're going through. All boys go through it. Um, And it was like that was an acceptance sort of thing then. And then I remember, as time went on, trying to tell her again. And through my whole sort of schooling, you know, I tried to sort of try, when I say you know at school back then having a relationship with a with a girl at school was very much a case of like oh you've been my girlfriend yeah that, you know that that was as far <laughs> as it went yeah um, but even sort of sixteen and I, I, I tried but it just you know I, I knew and, and unfortunately um, you know I was putting myself in a very risky situation being who I being who I wanted to be and also trying to explain that in a a, a world where, as I say, the age of consent was 21, whereas we didn't have any role models, there was nowhere where young LGBTQ plus people could go. It wasn't even accepted uh, for people, you know, and it was very much, we didn't have the internet, we didn't have, um, you know, mobile phones, we didn't have any sort of uh, magazines. I think the closest magazine that I had at that time, even though I knew of, of gay times, uh, that was round, and there was another one as well. But it was there was a magazine called Sky. It was a music magazine, and in the back of there was classifieds, and it was very much like a, a dating uh, classified. Oh, app. really? Contact yeah, numbers. Contact numbers, gotcha. and sort of you know a hundred uh, characters of what you could write of the person you wanted to meet, and in a bizarre way. That was my only way of sort of trying to sort of realise that there's other people out there.
0: It's going to be fascinating going through that journey with you. Let's get back to your next track. I mean, they're all really good, but I'm particularly Look at my little face, this next song. Amazing.
1: And I'm, I'm, is this one Tainted Love? Yes. It is. Wonderful. So, soft sell. Soft sell. Now, this... You mentioned before about a coming out song, and I think what what hit me with this was... So, I ended up... I'd done various jobs, I'd always worked to be a fireman, and I went over to see my brother uh, at RAF Akrotiri in Cyprus, and I realised, I was 17 and a half, and I realised that the Air Force had a fire service. So I went away from that, and I literally, I spent 18 months trying to get in the Air Force, I didn't tell anybody, not not a soul, and the reason for that is I'm always one of the people that I don't like to tell anyone what I'm doing unless something good comes out of it. Mm. It's a bit like... I suppose that's like something of my own sort of anxiety, so sort of, I don't want sure. to build people's pressures up and everything. So I then spent that time, and I remember thinking why I wanted to go in the Air Force. I got my letter on the 20th of March to go in on the 2nd of April, 1991. So I told my mum, and my mum him around and said, well, you can't go in, she said, She because you know, you've told me that you're gay and it's illegal. I said, but mum, you've always told me it's a phase I'm going through. Mm-hmm. So, and then I realised, I, I actually when i did join up um this song it's been around a long time this this song you know by various different artists but it was actually one of the songs that was being played a lot while i was in my basic training and trade training Mm. and you know right the way through my whole rf career it it was one of them tracks that i would often play and it's it was you know, it's, it's about no longer sort of, you know, with, with love and it's about the fact of how you need to break away and how you need to move on because you're not gonna be happy. And it, this, I think, was my running away song. Mm-hmm. Um, so running away from the fact that I didn't want to be gay, the fact that if I joined the Air Force, this was gonna sort of, you know, bring me into a whole new lifestyle. However, from from, from day one of joining the Air Force, I was living a double, sometimes treble life.
0: Steve Daniel with you tonight on Virgin Radio Pride. Monday night means my Pride playlist. Carl Austin Behan, OBE, is with me this evening. Uh, Carl was a former politician. He served as Lord Mayor of Manchester and he was kicked out of the Royal Air Force. Now, tell me that story. That chapter
1: of your life tell me about when you were with the Royal Air Force I would uh, mix with the lads go out on nights out get off with the girls um, but then come back to Manchester so I'd, I'd get a train if I was if I was coming back I'd get a train I'd come back to Manchester on a Friday I'd probably get a Piccadilly station um, about nine o'clock and then I would just disappear whether that be Some sort of cruising area where there was meeting someone you know Mm -hmm. i'd just disappear until the following morning and then go home the next day and make out that i'd just arrived and just just come back to manchester because it was the only way of me being able to be or get any sort of um for me to be me well let's break for your next song you can tell me the importance
0: of this after we hear it this is uh this is stunning powerful so emotional freddie mercury Freddie Mercury, these are the days on Virgin Radio Pride. I'm Steve Denier hosting tonight's My Pride playlist. My guest tonight is Carl Austin Behan, OBE. That song is still so incredibly powerful, isn't it, even today?
1: Unfortunately, Freddie died in November of 91. I was at REF Chivena, and I think... One thing that stood out when all the news programs were coming on and when it got announced that he died and it was of HIV and AIDS, Mm -hmm. I think, strangely, so many people who had never, ever, ever come into contact with HIV and AIDS, and I mean contact as in taking any notice of Mm -hmm. what HIV and AIDS was, they started to take notice of it because Freddie Mercury and Queen were so iconic and so heterosexual in a homosexual way that so many um, heterosexuals out there, were, it, it made them realise the fact that it didn't matter and, and with the fact that we should have paid more attention to, to to HIV and AIDS. And differently from sort of when the likes of Kenny Everett um, passed away, with Freddie it was completely different. And I think it was very much, it was very poignant for people. And you know, you saw the um, the amount of emotion, the amount of people who came out, uh, who, uh, and I say came out as in came out and showed their emotions um, from, from everybody. Um, and I think the video, so moving because it was one of the last songs that he actually videoed and he um, looks so ill he, he? looks if him, you look it? at
0: it now it's like how did he even do that
1: yeah what a brave thing to do absolutely and i think you know it was because i don't even think i don't think it came out until he died mm. um if i, I remember think it was rightly. the
0: b side of bohemian rhapsody Or oh, i may have that wrong right. but it was around that time wasn't uh-huh. it and then we
1: saw the video and just how ill he'd i think it was him sort of him accepting that he was dying um and the fact that going through life and the consequences of life and the fact that these are the days and you've got to make the boast of what your days are. Mm-hmm. The next track, we go straight
0: into, well, I think, about 1997. Yeah. so This the, is like picking up this kind of
1: summer, summery tune, isn't it? So what, where were you, Dario so, G, Sunshine? Yeah, so read the, this, the reason why I have chose this is, so in 1996, um, I... Been, I'd, I'd been completely open to my mum and told her again that, look, I need to be me. This is, you know, I, I can't... Keep How old were my you life. now? Uh, at 26, I was 24. Gotcha. So I'm 24 years old, and I'd just come back from Ascension Island. I'd done the nine-month tour there, and because of that, I got um, mentioned in the Queen's Birthday Honours list as well for such, sort of work I was doing over in the Air Force. So I had, a, I had really good service in the Air Force, and I, I loved it completely. and But then, 96... I'd just come back from Azzy and I, thought I had to be me. So I told my mum. Mum said, whatever you do, don't tell your dad because your dad will kick you out. Um, I was like, well, I don't live at home so I'm going to tell my dad. And randomly, it was probably one of the first times that I remember my dad giving me a hug, giving me a kiss and saying, look, son, no one told me how to live my life. I'm not going to tell you how to live yours. So I think... I then told my brothers and one of them was in the Air Force and he was very much, don't let, don't, don't let them know that I know because it could have repercussions on me. Yeah. So that, that sort of threw me back a little bit. But I think because then I told my mum and my dad accepted it, the fact that I then told a few people I was in the Air Force, because the That's ship,
0: still brave, isn't it, for you to do that? Were was, you just getting more legal. confidence? I
1: was. Do you know what? I think the fact that they accepted it, I think it gave me that boost that it was okay to yeah. be uh, who I wanted to be. And so in the January... I then started coming into Manchester, even though I knew what the consequences could be. Um, I then started seeing a lad, uh, we started seeing each other, uh, the Air Force, I then got my papers through to get my promotion, which was unheard of in in sort of six years. Uh, But that was because of my exemplary service, the fact that, you know, I was RAF, Blue throughout, you know, my, my blood. If you cut me in half, it was it was RAF <laughs> blood coming yeah. out. And I, I'm, you know, I'm still as passionate today as I am with the Air Force. But the, so they found, uh, I started seeing this lad, just got my promotion through. Uh, I was going to get posted to Avcent, which was in between Belgium and Holland. And then in the April, the lad that I'd started seeing, he then told the Air Force that I was gay. Now, I believe that he did that just because he thought that it'd mean that I wouldn't get posted overseas. Right. Um, because I don't think anyone really understood the fact that it was illegal mm-hmm. to be to be gay. So anyway, in April of ninety seven, I was taken into the officer commanding's office and I was just sat down and it was like there was a Padre, who's a vicar, there was the RAF police there, and the officer in charge of admin, and just sort of sit down and sort of, SEC Austin, do you have homosexual tendencies? I froze. Now, that split second, I know that if I'd have said no, it'd have been, thank you very much, Um, someone's made an allegation, we just needed to check. But that split second, I I started to cry, but it also made me I uh, realised it was now the time that I had to accept who I was and to be me. Um, so then they asked again, I answered yes. Within seconds, they were telling me, you do realise that you could go to military prison now for six months. Mm-hmm. Um, we, You will be discharged. Your, your services are no longer required. You're incompatible to service life. Now, incompatible... Is a strange word, yeah. Because for me, incompatible is a light bulb. It's either a bayonet or a screw. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a it's a weird way of sort of incompatible to service life because they reckon that I could now no longer serve, considering that I had um, my promotion through, considering I had exemplary service record, considering it had no impact on the lifestyle that I was living within the air force at all. Um, I was literally marched off camp within ten minutes with police escort. I was given three big boxes, told to fill them up, and they would deliver them to an address in the UK. And that was it. I was literally, to, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't allowed it, wasn't to it? say goodbye to anybody. Like you're a criminal. Well, you were a criminal. It was a criminal. They were saying you were a criminal. Yeah. They did it. It was done as an admin discharge in the end, because <clears> it was, the weird thing was, I think I'd always thought, In the time that I was in, because I think earlier a couple of years earlier it had gone through your European Parliament, and then it just sort of got missed off. And the fact that it should change, you know, when we're looking at you know, age of consent had now been changed. You know, there was all different things that that was was going on, and I think that um, I just thought that it would 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 sort of take place in my in my time, but no, I was I was now uh, marched off. It was an admin discharge. It was. Uh, marched off there. I remember driving through the camp gates and just sitting there, literally a little lay-by, crying for three hours, wondering which way do I go? Do I just disappear and go to London and try and set up a new life there? Or do I come back to Manchester and face the consequences? Mm-hmm. Because I felt that I'd let everybody down. You know, being kicked out, how do you explain that to someone that, you know, when all you've done is praise the Air Force, you know, I've done charity work for the Air Force, I was doing charity stuff with SAFA, and... It was very much a case of I was no longer needed. You know, I spent six months... So they suspended me for six months rather than having to go to prison. Mm. Um, and during that six months, I did write to Tony Blair, who was the, uh, the uh, Prime Minister at the time. I wrote to Graeme Stringer, my MP, and I wrote to uh, the MOD, all of which, they all just sort of came back with the same responses, that homosexuality, uh, homosexuals within the armed forces is not acceptable. Um, there is, it's not up for discussion. It's not gone through government. So therefore your contract is terminated, you lose your pension. You know, you, I lost yeah. everything. It's devastating. It is, and also, you know, I'd lost I'd lost my job. I'd lost my career that I'd signed up for for 22 years. I lost all my friends. Um, I, lo- I literally lost everything. The, the, the nice thing is, as years have gone on, because of social media, I've managed to catch up with some of those people, and they, you know, they they wrote to me personally to sort of say, you know, we didn't even realise what had gone on, because right. the fact that you were there one day, or one minute, and then you weren't. In that period, I ended up going to work for Asda, stacking shelves at night, and thinking what do I do? And it was very much a case of um, going out and literally finishing stacking shelves on, at quarter to twelve on a Saturday night, driving into Manchester, and I remember going into Paradise Factory. Mm-hmm. Um, Which
0: is a legendary place, yeah, isn't
1: absolutely. it? Yeah, you absolutely. Know, it was when, uh, again, Peter Dalton um, opened that, and going in there for the very first time, and the very first track I heard when I went in there was Dario G Sunshine.
0: Dario G and Sunshine, bittersweet pick from my special guest tonight, Carl Austin Behan on My Pride Playlist on Virgin Radio Pride. I'm Steve Denier. Carl, you were just chatting. I mean, most unbelievable story. You were kicked out of the Royal Air Force. Then you had a bad situation with the fire service not accepting you. And somehow... Your next chapter
1: involves winning Mr Gay UK. I went for Mr Gay UK. It was 99, 2000. So I was. they did one year for, for two years at the yeah. time. And I did it. And it was very much a case of, I was trying to work out what it was that, you know, was it a beauty pageant? Was it something you can do with it? And I won Mr Gay Manchester. And then I won, I came second overall for that, for that year. But then what made me realise then were, we have no role models. We mm. had no one to sort of to stand up for people, and I think that was a turning point for me. For for then, because then, for Mister Gay UK, I felt you went to all these towns and cities and other areas, and it was great if you were in Birmingham, Manchester, London, um but if you lived in Shropshire, if you lived in Derby, if you lived in Rochdale, or you know anywhere where is the outskirts, it was still. A depressing time for you because, unless you had a, a club or a bar on a that had a back room and it was a Thursday with thirty-one days in the month, and they'd say that oh, we're gonna we're having a gay night once a <laughs> month, uh, you know that had happened four times. So true. So I wanted to I wanted to normalize being gay, and what I mean by that is because as I say, you only had stere- you only had the stereotypical people. Whereas I'd been in the air force, I'd been in the fire service, I'd stacked shelves, I was doing normal jobs. And I wanted to normalise being gay. So for me, it was very much about doing that. And that was why I wanted to make sure. So I went round to the various Pride events during um, 2000, 2001, um, speaking to people, getting to know people, talking about why I thought that it was important that everyone was represented. And I sort of treated it a little bit like an election campaign. Um, and then the heat, the final was done in Manchester And it was a phone vote as well, and I managed to sort of win it with a massive majority um, as Mr Gay UK 2001. So I am very proud of that, but also because of the fact that there's a backstory and the reason why I did it rather than just being in a club, drunk one night, being forced to go on a stage to get your kit off... Um, in that sense, just to sort of do it as a beauty pageant.
0: And Bobby Socks, yes. Is is that connected to what you've just said uh, around that time? I it, was just wondering right, how so the, we can link it.
1: So, the reason with Bobby Socks is because when you looked at sort of the bars in, you know, we, we've gone past 99, we've gone past queer as, this is sort of the queer as folk sort of era now. Yeah. So, I mean, queer as folk was a massive turning point, I think, for, for, for everybody, especially for gay men, yeah. and I think the reason why I put Bobby Socks in there is because at that time, there was an era of all the cheesy camp music with um, drag acts, you know, traditional drag acts, yeah. and they'd get people on stage and doing all these sort of quirky little songs. that. It was a com- again. It was a complete different world. It was like new gays that were coming into the, into the fold, and you'd have things like uh, uh, Bobby Sox doing late like swing a look at roll. You'd have like all these cheesy camp um, songs that were sort of taking place, uh, and I just think it brought the community together because that was when gay bars started to open up properly. Um, and you know, we'd just gone through so ninety nine. We had Queer as Folk came on the TV, sort of to ninety nine two thousand uh Manchester's Gay Village was alive. It was had so many different bars in it, you know, that, and that's the same as I'm sure with with right across the country when you were looking at Birmingham, when we were looking at um, uh, London, you know, there was there was all them, the bars with the traditional drag queens, but everyone was just having fun and it you know, it wasn't about people people weren't serious about themselves. You know, it, it there was a complete there was a, there was a, a sense of um, not naivety, a sense of freedom. <laughs>
0: Well, that's a bit of a banger, isn't it? Bobby Socks and Let It Swing on Virgin Radio Pride. I'm Steve Denier uh, chatting to Carl Austin Behan, OBE, a friend of mine for well, a couple of decades. there so good to chat with him about all these stories. Carl, after hearing that track, let me take you back to the Gay Village, uh, because that was really kind of after Queer as Folk came out. And well, the scene in Manchester exploded,
1: it put Canal Street on the map what do you remember people some people do blame queer as folk as, a, as a, a sort of as a catalyst to sort of that, that killed off the village i don't believe it did like it I, became over commercial that yeah. kind of thing yeah yeah, 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 yeah. okay but, because if it, you know if we think about some of the bars and some of the clubs that, from from that era you know they were quite underground they were sort of hidden away mm-hmm. they were sort of very much a case of um you know you had to have a membership
0: now the next chapter in your life of course involves your meteoric rise in politics how,
1: can you summarise this for me? How did this start? So I, I got involved with the local Labour Party right. in Manchester. I, I, you know, as a kid, we were always brought up uh, Labour. Um, yeah. You know, going to the Labour Club. I'd always be on the polling station on election day. Mm. So it was, you know, I was Labour through and through. I'm Labour through and through. Um, and the... I then got involved with them. And then because they saw what I was doing, someone sowed a seed about me becoming a councillor. Mm. So then... I looked at where the opportunities were, and there was an opportunity in Burnage, which was South Manchester, very strong Lib Dem. Um, a lot of North Manchester had already been taken anyway. So I thought, right, Burnage was very similar to Crumpsall and Cheetah Mill in that sort of sense. So I thought, right, that's what I'm going to go for. So I then spent two years campaigning and going out door knocking and everything for the Labour Party. And it had a, I think it was a 1,500 majority uh, for the Lib Dems. In 2010, I got that down to 183. Wow. So I lost, but only by 183 votes. Mm. So then I continued again for the following year um, and managed to get a majority of 1,600 votes. So I'd done a massive turnaround swing, which mm. was about the fact of going out and knocking on people's doors and talking to them and finding out what their concerns were and really doing it as, a, you know, a bit like going back to the Mr Gay UK days, you know, <laughs> trying to build it as a campaign. So I got involved in local politics and then very quickly... Um, when I was on the council, I was elected, so I was elected in 2011, and I became, you know, I was involved in licensing in various sort of neighbourhoods, and uh, lead member for cycling, then became lead member for for gay men. And what was important for me was the fact that I think Manchester led the way in the early 80s, and sorry, late 80s, early 90s, when it came to uh, fighting for equality, especially with the likes of, uh, like, Paul Fairweather, um, you know, the work that he, he did um, across Great Manchester as a councillor, became a councillor as well. So the work that they were doing, I think, I think, unfortunately, sort of, as time went on, it sort of lost its momentum. So I wanted to try and bring that back. So I became lead member uh, for Gay Men. But then I also realised that we had uh, a Lord Mayor that represents the city. Now, when you looked at the picture of the, the, the other Lord Mayor's previous in the 124 years, it all looked very similar. They all looked like the Fat controller out of Thomas Atan you know. And, yeah. and, and, and I felt that where's the representation? Yeah. So I put myself forward and people were like, what do you want to do that for? You've not been on the council that long. Mm. Um, you know, you're far too young. So anyway, I managed to convince them. And in 2016, I became the youngest, but the first open the gay Lord Mayor of Manchester. Now, the reason why I say openly gay is because the council didn't want to say that. Right they just wanted to be a new councillor of Carlos Carl Austin being. Um, but I was like, no, because you need to be open about it right from the start. And um, So
0: even then you were faced with don't yeah, because, yeah, because that's not.
1: They were worried that if if they said first openly gay, Lord mm. Mayor, that's it that would have opened questions about like, oh, so if it's the first openly, has there been one before that oh, hasn't been open? So that was where that came from. But the reason why I did that, I did an interview with the Manchester Union News and um, in that I was completely open and transparent. Um, they showed pictures of Mr Gay UK, they they did a full, you know, warts and all, I spoke about everything that, that, that I possibly could have come up in conversation. Because what I didn't want was the likes of something like The Mail on Sunday to run a story, New Lord Mayor of Manchester, Gay porn, shock horror. You know they'd yeah. have turned it into something. You yeah. know there is no porn out there, but the, you know they the, they would have turned it into that because of the pictures from Mister Gay UK. Yeah. So i is just skimpy it. pants? It's gonna be said was it? was just yeah. like a you know a, a sk- skim- skimpy. As the as a <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're still online. Um,
0: let <laughs> my research. <laughs> you <understand? laughs>
1: But then, and and at that time, uh, I was now married to Simon, my husband, and you know. For being Lord Mayor, he we did this thing whereas with the so Lord Mayor obviously gets a chain, and then it would it, it, it would it become my consort. But I was like, no, we're gonna we, if we're going for equality, we're gonna go for this full on. So then Simon ended up wearing the Lady Mayor chain, which had never been worn <laughs> by a man ever, um, and. You know, it, that broke down barriers straight away. Yeah. Um, normally, absolutely. And normally you do about 350 engagements. We did 1,126. I did think that there would be, uh, you know, people with faith and religion wouldn't invite us to things, but they did. And, mm-hmm. you know, during that whole year, it was about equality, it was about raising the awareness as diversity as Lord Mayor. So I was really pleased to have become a uh, Lord Mayor, and, and I, I know that this isn't added into into the songs, but someone always asked me this because I, I threw a, in my opening speech. I I, I threw ABBA at this. Now I, I threw in a you know in the words of ABBA, take a chance on me, because part of that song where it says you know uh, you, you know you've got to take a chance. You know, g- give me that opportunity, and I'll prove that I can do something for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that was it. And, I, and I've sort of used that song, to sort of. Live my life in, in, in a lot of ways, we'd we take a chance. But yeah, I had a brilliant time as Lord Mayor. And and again, I couldn't have done it without Simon because it was very much a case of a lot of time, a lot of pressure, but it was brilliant to sort of raise the profile of Manchester at that time.
0: If you change your mind, i you the take first a chance, in line. Take a, chance, take, a chance, take a chance on me. If you need me, let me know. Hands on me. I know that you know this bit. It's ABBA, take a chance on me on Virgin Radio Pride. I'm Steve Denny, joined by such a great guest. He's been so awesome in the last hour. Uh, Carl Austin Behan, OBE. Your final track that you've picked tonight is Ollie Alexander with Elton John, It's a Sin. Tell me why you want this.
1: This The reason why I've picked this is because, like I said earlier, I think there's a lot of songs that we can interpret the way that we interpret them ourselves. And I remember being in my bedroom um and it's a sin from the pet shop boys being played and i remember sort of trying to work out what it was about and then you you hear the bit about uh the, you know the about religious connotations and about the fact that you know he's having to live his life but everything he's doing it's a sin mm. you know you know and he's not able to be himself because of the catholic church and because of religion and you, you can put that into any religion I'm not, i know that it mentions catholic but you can put it in any religion but moving on to what 2020 when we had russell t davis again such a genius with it's a sin yeah with um again highlighting the work that had gone on the hiv and aids back in in the 80s and the fact that how we lived our life and you know i i can go back to again to to that time watching the videos and knowing that that was that was exactly what it was like and i think now i listen to that song and the way that ollie alexander sings it it's a complete different song now so it's it for me now, it's more about the fact that don't apologise for who you are. Um, you know, we 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 live in our lives. Yes, other people may see what we're doing as not acceptable, but if you're if you're just doing what if you're being your true self and being 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 who you are, then it, it's not a sin, you know. And, yeah, and and I think that so so this song is sung absolutely beautifully, but it can be interpreted in so many different ways.
0: You must be so kind of, I, I'm, getting, I'm putting words in your mouth here, pleased and um, kind of content with the fact that you were trailblazer with all this stuff. You know, you've made life better for others. And we look at It's a Sin and where we were and where we are right now, and you've played such a pivotal part, haven't you, over
1: the years within the local community and beyond I, to make life better for us. But I think, I've, I think so when I joined the Air Force knowing that I was gay, I didn't want that to define me. Mm -hmm. I didn't want that to define me. Being kicked out of the Air Force for being gay ended up defining me Mm -hmm. because it gave me the fight to sort of try and challenge and to then to sort of, to try and help other people who may be in that situation. Mm -hmm. And. As the years have gone on with the work that I've done with LGBT Foundation, with the Proud Trust, with George House Trust, with various charities and community groups, and now with Fighting With Pride to, to look at the injustices that, that, that people had pre-2000, you know, that that I could talk for hours about some of these things, but I know we, we sort of caught on time, but I think, as I said, it, it's about the fact that I've been very lucky. I'm very. I'm one of the people that I realise that one door closes, another one opens. I'm very much about the fact that you know things will happen that don't always work to plan, but if you can turn that around, um, so I've been very lucky. You know, mm. I've had I've had a lot of opportunity. You know, if my mum had accepted at the age of seven that I was gay, yeah, my life would be completely different. Yeah, completely different. I wouldn't have had any opportunities that I've had. Um, you know, I've been so lucky. You know, yes, I've received um awards i've received things for that but it's been very much that i couldn't have done it without other people being mm-hmm. there to support me and you know what again going back to the song take a chance on me a lot of people have took a chance on me in in the fact that they've just let me go with it and don't really know what the outcome's going to be mm-hmm. but it always seems to work
0: i Ollie Alexander together with Elton John and their remake of Pet Shop Boys. It's a sin on my Pride playlist on Virgin Radio Pride. I'm Steve Denier and Carl Austin Behan OBE has been my guest tonight. Before I let you go, Carl, obviously this is Virgin Radio Pride. We're in Pride season now. What does,
1: and I know this is a huge question, but what does Pride season mean to you? So we're celebrating Pride, but we're celebrating Pride in many ways um, in the fact that, you know, I think for for gay, lesbian, bi, we, we, we've come a long way and we, 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 you know, we go to events and, and, you know, with, with, within our own community, I think we've got a long way to go for our trans, non-binary, gender fluid community, siblings, brothers, sisters, because I, I don't understand what the problem is, you know, I, you know, I know how hard it was for me growing up as a gay man, for, for someone who's trans or non-binary, going through that must be so hard. Mm. Um, And why are other people, even people within our community, making it difficult for them just accept people for who they are? You know, it doesn't, it has no effect. Someone who's trans has no effect on my life. It has no effect on anybody else's life other than their life and the people who they want to associate themselves with. Mm -hmm. So it shouldn't matter what, race, what creed, what gender, what sexuality. You know, we're all human beings. Let's just treat everybody with respect. And that also goes with respecting people when it comes to the fact that if we can have um, a ban on conversion therapy for, for gay, lesbian, bi men, then it has to be a conversion therapy for everybody because we all have the same issues when it comes to mental health
0: brilliant carl i could have spoken to you for another four hours but thank you so much (laughs) and it's so wonderful to see you again after all these years it's been very proud of everything that you've you've achieved and thanks for coming in and sharing it all with us and being on virgin radio pride thank you cheers thank you thank you my pride playlist virgin radio pride Thank you so much for listening in. That was the My Pride Playlist Pridecast. And make sure you subscribe to hear loads more good stuff from Virgin Radio Pride. The Virgin Radio Pridecast. Proudly supported by Disney+. Full of stories and love for all.